title of this message today is um, The Good Shepherd. Got a Bible? Go to John 10. We're going to start at verse 1. Um, this message, if it's for anybody, it's for me today. I've definitely been feeling this word all week long. And, um, you know, we all, all have seen this, all of, a lot of us, if you've been in church for a long time, you've, you've understood and you've heard the word about God being our shepherd. And that's where I feel like we're supposed to go today. Let me read this out. And it says this, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfolds by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the sheep shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Th this happens to Jesus quite a lot. Jesus, the good shepherd, that's the title of, of the message of today. I, um, I brought a couple props with me today because I wanted to talk about what it meant to be a good shepherd. When I was... Um, I'm, in a, I'm in Assemblies of God minister. When I was ordained, um, they gave me this stick, this staff. They also gave me a, sh a sash, and that sash was to represent um, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And then they anointed my head uh, with oil, and they prayed over my Bible. And what they basically were saying is, Jeremy, we're commissioning you as an under-shepherd under Jesus to shepherd God's people. And I remember going through that moment, and... This was honestly my attitude, so you can, you can forgive me. But I was like, okay, you're going to lay hands on me, give me a stick, put a thing over my shoulder, and pray. Good, good for them. This is, this is great. I honestly wasn't that impressed in the moment with what we were doing. But then as they prayed for me, I felt something shift in my heart. And I actually felt a weight kind of come on me, like an authority from God, but also like this, think of it like, you're getting hitched up to pull a cart. It was just a little more heavy. And God put in my heart that day kind of a burden for his people. It's not something I picked. It's something God put on me. But anyway, I want to talk about the shepherd in Palestine. And so they would have um, a sling, a staff, and a rod. Now, the sling they would have, and they would use the sling for two things. One, to ward off enemies a bit, but actually more because they didn't have sheepdog. The sheep would be wandering off, and they would take a stone, and they would flick it ahead of the sheep right before the nose of the sheep. And the, the sheep would go, oh, can't go that way, and it would come back to the flock. And how many know God will do that with us where he'll put a warning or a word, flick, don't go that way, come on back. Second thing that they would have is they would have a staff. And that's a lot like this. And the staff, um, sorry, yeah, the staff was, had a kind of a crook just like this, and it would catch and it would pull back the sheep. Whenever I think of this, I always think about somebody that's way too long-winded on a stage. You ever guys seen those? And they're like, okay, you're done preaching. Like, it's over. 
and, and you would pull them back, right? But this was the method of the shepherd. They would take their long staff, and the sheep was about to fall off the edge, and he would pull it, pull it back. And the other thing was there was also a rod. And this was actually, my mom was a bookkeeper at a church called Life Church Across Town. And um, this bat got the name Hannah because it has the name Hannah on. I guess they gave it to my mom for protection or something. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. She never had to use it, so I'm not quite sure what the goal was. But, but anyway, they would, have a, they would have a rod. And typically, they would have nails in the end of the rod. And there would also be kind of a loop on it. It would hang from their belt. And if anybody came, any animals came or any, um, any robbers came, they would take out their bat and they would do damage with the bat. So they had a sling to remind the sheep, come back. They had a, they had a staff to kind of pull them in if they wandered too far. And they had a rod to do damage against those that would attack the sheep. If you got a Bible, go to Psalms 23. I just like this picture. It's pretty cool. Psalms 23 says this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's good to be a sheep. Amen? Hey, guess what? Sheep are not that smart. I kind of think sometimes we're not that smart. We look for the new shiny thing, the tuft of grass across the way, the cute girl, the great job, the whatever thing, and we go, ooh, that looks pretty. Let's walk that way. And so God sends his warning. He shoots a rock right in front of us and says, hey, don't walk that way. It's not worth it. And we go, yeah, but it sure looks tasty. So we go a little farther. And then he pulls out his staff and he's like, uh-uh, no, 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 come here. It's going to be better for you. Come this way. And he pulls us back in. I love how the psalmist says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Why does the rod and staff comfort? Because even when I am attacked when things come against me, I know I have a shepherd who's going to defend me. People can come against me. The world can come against me. I could fall apart, but I know that whether it's a demonic thing or whether it's people or whatever, I have a shepherd who's going to take out the bat and come to my defense. That's comforting. The staff, why is that comforting? Because even when I decide in my own, all, all my altogether wisdom as a sheep to walk that way, even though it's dumb, he will come after me. He will pull me. It says in Romans, it says he'll pull us with cords 
of loving kindness. In other words, he kind of, he takes a rope around us and he's like, come on, Jeremy, it's better this way. Come over here. He'll do that through sending people. He'll do that through his word. He'll do that through worship. And he quietly, gently speaks correction to us. By the way, never to condemn but always to convict. If you ever hear a word of condemnation, there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation basically says to you, there's no hope, you screwed up, it's all over, might as well give up. But conviction says, hey, Jeremy, there's a better way. Maybe you took a wrong step here, you did this, but I have something better for you. This might be a painful change for you, but take this step. I have something better. Condemnation pulls your eyes down. Conviction pulls your eyes up. Remember who you're listening to. Because sometimes it's not just the shepherd out there with his staff, but sometimes there's other forces trying to pull you in another direction too. But we all need a shepherd. Who's your shepherd? Who's the one guiding and leading you? Now, I know we all, many of us in this room would say Jesus, but the reality is the shepherd is the one whose voice we follow. Who's the voice we follow? About two months ago, and and I'm sure this has happened more, not just now, but two months ago, I was sitting in my house and I woke up early in the morning grumpy. Anybody been there? (laughs) Every single day of your life. I was grumpy. I wasn't happy. You never notice that you don't even really remember what you were not happy about, but you just wake up not happy with something. And, but I had this phrase run through my head, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So I made a determined decision that morning. I'm going to put worship music on. I'm going to praise God. And I found when I did that, I led my heart and my emotions out of these. You never have those loops of bad thinking? You're just starting to think something. You're thinking about yourself. You're thinking about others. You're thinking about your life. You're thinking about da 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 It goes to the same like five places every time, right? But when I put on the garment of praise and I said, God, you are God. You're above it all. You're faithful. I lift my eyes to you. I got out of that rhythm. And then when I read my Bible, I came with a different lens. If you come to the Bible with that lens of condemnation, you're going to read this and just go, this is boring and I'm a sinner. And that's going to be the end of your conversation. But when you come with a heart of praise, first and foremost, you recognize God's for me. He's with me. He has something good to say to me today. It changes how you read this thing. And so I guess I just wanted to say, who is my shepherd? Am I led by him? Is his voice or something else? It says this too. It says in, um, it says this whole thing in John 10. It was talking about, the sheepfold. Can you put up John 10 one more time? It said, it said this in the beginning of the passage. It said, it said, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by another way, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Go to the next slide. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Next slide. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. Now, what I found out when I studied this is that there's actually, there was two types of sheep folds, and Jesus basically talks about both of them in this passage. One was a sheep fold that was in a village, and the sheep fold in the village was where all the shepherds would put all their sheep. There would be this big stone basic house thing. All the shepherds at night would put all the sheep in there, and then they would give, they, the, the gatekeeper had a key, and he would lock the door. 
Now, the next morning, the shepherds would all come out, but you had a problem. All the sheep who belong to different sheep, uh, shepherds are all in the same sheep pen. How are you going to divide them? So the gatekeeper would open the door, and this is what they would do. All the shepherds would line up in different spots, and they would start calling to their sheep. And the sheep knew the voice of their shepherd. There was this one guy, he was writing about this, and he said he witnessed firsthand shepherds in Palestine talking to their sheep. And he said it was the strangest experience. It was this weird sing-songing, half-human, half-goat-sounding kind of language thing. And they would sing it out, they would, they would speak it out, and the sheep would recognize the voice of their sheep, and they would come running. The other type of fold was a fold in the middle of, the no, of nowhere. And this was like in the middle, on the, on the side of the hill. And on the side of the hill, they would, they would somewhere like, they would, they would have basically kind of a rock enclosure around so the sheep couldn't get out. And it would say this, the shepherd would lay in front of the entrance like this, and he said this, he's, Jesus said, I am the door to the sheep. The shepherd was literally the door. In other words, you ain't getting through unless you get past the shepherd. And by the way, no sheep is getting in unless it goes through the shepherd. He would take his rod, and this was, I guess, a, a practice, and it, would, it was enough to slow down the sheep. He would hold it just above the ground like this, and every sheep would have to pass underneath the rod. Well, why would you do that? Well, it would slow the sheep down just enough so that they would have to slowly go underneath the rod and the shepherd could examine each sheep to see if it was injured. Think about how good our God, as he says this, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's something that happens when we come underneath God's rod into his sheepfold. He examines our heart, he examines us, and he's looking at you and me and he's like, is Jeremy okay? And as we go underneath his rod, underneath his leadership, he wants to minister to our heart. He wants to heal us up. But the only way to get healed is to come under the rod. Isn't that interesting? I also like this thought. In, in, in Great Britain, sheep were mainly used... You didn't know that you were coming to like a farmer's service this morning, did you? <laughs> in Great Britain, sheep, their value is basically for meat. So it was like a butchering thing, right? You would have all these sheep and you'd butcher them. But in Palestine, it wasn't about the meat. It was actually about the wool. And so it was a lot more valuable that you'd have sheep for a bunch of years. And so the shepherd would have sheep for many, many years, and he would probably name them all. There's Blackie and, and Wrinkle Toe and whatever, all of these different sheep, and he would become attached to each one of his sheep. And also, it was typical not to go behind the sheep, but in front of the sheep. And he would just kind of talk and sing as he went along, and all the sheep trusted their shepherd. 
he would speak out and they would follow their shepherd who would gladly lay his life down for his sheep. Why? It was his livelihood. It was the most valuable thing he possessed. Folks, this is how Jesus equates us. He got each one of us by name. We're valuable to him. He wants to lead us by the sound of his voice. Matthew 6, 26 says this. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more valuable value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed as one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't be anxious saying, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? Am I going to buy the right cryptocurrency? Am I going to date the right person? Am I going to have the right job? Am I going to mess up my life this year? What am I going to do about my future? Don't be anxious about these things. Why? Because if God can take care of all of creation, and if you are more valuable than all of this, isn't he going to help you out? Trust him. For the Gentiles, those, those that don't know Christ, seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So you got a sling to kind of ward off and be a warning. Don't walk that way. You got a staff, and he would take the staff to pull the sheep back into the fold. You got a rod, and they would, I think I said this already, but they would actually put nails into the top of the knot, of the a top of the stick. And with this, he would fight off the animals, and he would fight off the, the robbers and those that would come and try to steal the sheep. He's a good shepherd. He lays down his life for his sheep. Now, there's this one part, and I, I thought this was super interesting. He says this. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. That's like that second sheepfold. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Well, well what are you talking about? Because there's a lot of good guys in the Bible who say a lot of good things. What are, you, are you saying all of those people are, sheep, are thieves and robbers? No, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, he's speaking to the people that would come and say, follow me, I have the way. A lot of people during that day were saying, look, I'm going to deliver you from the Roman rule. I'm going to put you in the right place. I'm going I'm to help you out. Follow me. I have the answers. And Jesus said, all of them, thieves and robbers. What do thieves do? They come quietly, probably at night, and they steal. What do robbers do? They forcefully attack and take what's yours. Jesus says, everyone apart from him motivated by him, is a thief and a robber. If anyone sets up themselves to say, I'm the Messiah, I'm going to lead, I'm going I'm to show you the way, follow me, 
I'll be your salvation, a thief and a robber. Because the only motivation that really sets anything apart in Christ is that God, Jesus came not for himself, but for the, for the will of the Father. And there are so many that have an agenda and a plan, and Jesus says, don't listen to them. And it even says here, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out to find pasture. But the thief, those are all those different all those different uh, Messiah types, and ultimately Satan himself, comes only to kill, to steal, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That one phrase there, it says this, we'll go in and out and find pasture. That was a common Jewish phrase meant to say this, that they'll dwell securely in their life. They'll go out, They'll come in, they won't be harassed. How many know there's a lot of harassment going on? There's a lot of people that are going under a lot of turmoil. We go under turmoil. But the good shepherd wants to take his bat and his staff, and he wants to protect us, and he wants to guide us this morning. John 14, 6 said, Jesus said to them, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's just like what I was saying earlier about Jesus with his rod and the sheep pen, or the, the shepherd and the sheep pen, and all the sheep had to go underneath through him. They had to go underneath, and he would examine each sheep to make sure they were okay. And, the, and also, no one was getting to the sheep except through him. This is the heart posture of the shepherd over my dead body. You're not messing with them. You guys, I think God, he's looking for people to partner with him who will say, not on my watch, over my dead body, you are not messing with them. There are too many people that are getting picked off by wolves, too many people getting picked off in isolation, and God is looking for those that will rise up with him and say, will you join with my heart? Would you be one that would sit in the way of the sheepfold and say, if a wolf comes, it's got to get through me first. This is God's heart. And you know what's going to happen? It's going to be a fight. And I've learned this a lot in the last six months, is that when you fight for the souls of people, when you fight saying, God, would you save people? Would you help them? Would you free them? You get a bit of a war on your hand. You get a little less sleep. You, you find yourself, you find yourself things going like awry with your plans. And you and I recognize it's totally Satan's way of trying to distract us from the one thing. God has given us a mission to see that, that he wills that none should perish in this place. But folks, there's a lot of people perishing. And he's looking for people that would join with his heart. I, I wanted to say this too. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Now, there's a lot of people who would say, you just need to believe Jesus and you'll be okay. And in one way, I would say yes, but you guys, there has been so much confusion and deception on that. If I told you, you need to believe in Jesus, you could be like, yeah, I know him, he's my neighbor. 
like, Jose, you know, like, like I got a, he's from, he's from Tijuana, we're good friends. So when you say believe in Jesus, what do you mean? It's not enough to pray a prayer or say that it's the question, who are you actually putting your reliance upon? I say this with this example. Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses. Let me say this. I might rustle a few feathers today. We'll see what happens. Mormons would say this. They would say, we believe in Jesus. But a Mormon would say, Jesus was born of Mary and God the Father, a natural birth. His death saves everyone regardless of what they believe. But if you become a Mormon, you have an opportunity to become a god. Hell does not exist, just different levels of existence for everyone. By the way, the Book of Mormon was written in 1830. A Jehovah Witness would say this, they believe this, Jesus is not God, but more like an angel. Jesus was not raised again to life after three days, but was recreated as an archangel, Michael. Heaven is for the 144,000 Jehovah Witnesses. Eternity on the new earth is for the other witnesses. Everybody else, they get annihilated. No hell. And their Bible was written in 1950. But Christianity says this. Jesus was born of a virgin. Yes, a miracle. Sent by God the Father. He's fully God. He's fully man. He's fully God because only God could actually pay the price, actually do it. And he's fully man because it was man's penalty for sin that had to be paid for. That's why he had to be fully man and fully God. If he's not God, this salvation's nothing. Through his sinless life, death, and resurrection, he broke the curse of sin for everyone who what? Puts their faith in him. Heaven is real. And every man, woman, and child ha that has the breath of God in them, we'll all live forever. It just depends on where. There is no other book in history like the Bible written by over 40 different authors over 1,600 years, and it's perfectly aligned. Try playing a game of telephone in 10 minutes and see if your story makes sense. <laughs> then take 40 people over 1,600 years, and you see a book that the only way it exists is a supernatural thing. There's no way over cultures, generations, and people. It's more, it's the most credible document in all of history. I would even make this claim. If you can't trust the Bible, you can't trust any historical document. That's how credible the Bible is. So when you say you believe in Jesus, do you know the one in whom you say you believe? Paul said this in Galatians 1, 6-9. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And then he says this, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be condemned. Folks, Mohammed said that he saw an angel give him the revelation of Islam. The guy who formatted Mormonism said he was given golden tablets. Everyone, psychics will tell you that they have greater revelation than what we have. But I can tell you that it's not enough for a spiritual experience. It's not enough for a revelation. I had a, one, a lady come over once to our house. We were, we were having dinner. Um, Yolanda having dinner. And this lady said, and I think she was trying to impress us, she says, you know, did you know that about 30, 40% of people in America have visions and dreams? And I'm like, well, yeah, we're spiritual people. 
Of course. That doesn't mean they're good. It just confirms that there's a spiritual world. The voice you listen to, is it truthful or is it not truthful? And I can tell you that when we call on Jesus, he will reveal himself. About 50 years ago, people started praying for the Muslim world and saying, God, would you reveal yourself to the people in the Middle East, in the 1040 window, would you reveal yourself? In the last 50 years, there has been thousands and thousands of people that have had a very similar experience. They go to bed as a Muslim, and they see a man dressed in white in a robe with a sash on, and he says something like this, go and find my people, go and find my book. Thousands and thousands of people. Jesus wants people to know who he is, but it's not just a matter of saying, I believe in Jesus. We must know the one whom we're believing in. There are so many people that think they believe in truth, but they actually don't know the truth. They, my sheep know my voice, Jesus said. John 10, 11 through 14 says this. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. He who is a hired hand is not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay my life down for the sheep. Man, that's a scary one. There are those that are hirelings that honestly, being in church ministry or something, it's kind of like just a job. You're hoping for good pay, maybe a stage. Maybe I can start a podcast that a bunch of people will watch or re write a book or do a worship CD, make some money. Yikes. The calling, and, and I, I just want to say this to anybody, that if you have a heart to become a pastor, I want to say this. The calling to be a pastor is this. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep. A good shepherd will chase after the one snatched up by the wolf. In Ezekiel 34, God was having a, a word with the spiritual overseers of Israel, and he says this to them. Hey, you spiritual shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, maybe this sermon right now is just for me, and that's okay. You guys can all pray for me. As I, good. As I live, says the Lord God, certainly because my flock has become a prey. My flock has become food for every predator of the field because of a lack of a shepherd. You know, sometimes there's people that they needed a warning. They needed a word of encouragement. They needed someone to be there when they were isolated. And was there a shepherd there? There was supposed to be. And my shepherds did not search for my flock, but rather my shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, you spiritual shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds. Uh-oh. And I will demand my flock from them and make them stop tending the flock so that my shepherds cannot feed themselves anymore. I will rescue my flock from their mouth so they will not be food for them. Now, I, I'm, I'm, 
you know, that's not an exciting word for a preacher to read. Except a good warning to say, it's not about us, it's all about Jesus, and it's all about the role that each one of us gives. But I would say this to each person in this room. There are people you're connected with that you can speak a word of encouragement to that no one else can. There are people, hear me, really, hear me. There are people right now this week that might make a decision that will put them on a trajectory that they're not supposed to be on. And God wants to use you like a shepherd's staff to go, yank. Will we be, will we join with the heart of the good shepherd that will say, not on my watch, not my family, not my friends, not my neighborhood. It's, we're living in these really interesting times. I, I just got a text from a buddy who's a cop in Kirkland, a message. We just got it last night. And about two, three weeks ago, some of you know this. I know Brian would know this. The laws in Washington state are changing and officers are actually not allowed to in, enforce laws like they used to. That's a problem. You know, there, I'm sure there's some rotten eggs in the mix of some cops and different stuff. But the reality is, um, the, there, there's a lot of really good cops out there. And if we tie the hands of law enforcement, it makes it a lot harder for them to do what they're made for. Will we be those that will, now the, the reality is, Jesus wins, okay? God wins. But there are going to be those in your world that are on the brink of stepping into places they're not supposed to. And you might be the one person God's put in their path to speak a word of encouragement, correction, or hey, maybe you shouldn't walk that way, that, that they need. Will you join in with the shepherd? I love this part, Ezekiel 34, I read it later, but it says this throughout the whole chapter. For thus says the Lord God, since my shepherds didn't do the job, I'm going to. I'm going to search for my flock and seek them out. I'm going to care for the sheep. I'm going to find the scattered ones. I'm going to care for my sheep. I'm going to rescue them. I'm going to feed them and I'm going to let them lie down to rest. I'm going to seek out the lost. I'm going to bring back the scattered. I'm going to bandage the crippled. I'm going to strengthen the weak and the sick. And I'm going to destroy the fat and the strong, those who will become hard-hearted and perverse. And then I'm going to appoint over them one shepherd, and he'll feed them. Who's that shepherd? I will make a covenant of peace with them, and I will eliminate the wild beasts from the land. I, I was reading that part about the wild beasts, and it really struck me, because I think those wild beasts speak of the demonic things that come against people. Those hidden things, those places in the middle of the night where the, the guy is feeling tempted to go look at porn, the places of drug addiction, the places of isolation, the places of addiction and struggle that no one sees, the temptations that rise up that bring condemnation, bondage, and all of that. And God says, I, your good shepherd, will eliminate the beasts from the land. God wants your heart to be a safe Place. He wants his heart. He wants to shepherd the people. This last week I went out to lunch with a, an awesome guy from this church and 
we randomly flipped open to Luke 1 through 6. And if you go there, and this is where we're going to land the service today. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to Jesus to listen to him. And both the Pharisees and the scribes began muttering and complaining, saying, this man accepts and welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told the story. What man among you, if he had a hundred sheep and loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost? And search until he finds it. And when he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he goes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who have no need of repentance. A couple things I just want to point our attention to. One, the shepherd leaves the 99 to go after the one. Sounds like, you think about it, like, well, you got 99 sheep already. Like, shouldn't you, why are you worrying about the one? This is the heart of the shepherd, and this is actually a word that we got early on in the beginning of Bless the City. One-on-one, one-by-one. That God would make our heart, that we would seek out the one. We're not worried about getting a big crowd, We're worried about one-on-one, one-by-one. That the person you work with, the person in your family, the person next door, if it takes 19 years, that's okay. If If it's inconvenient, that's okay. The point is we are looking to be a people that would go after people one-on-one, one-by-one. Why? Because we carry the heart of the good shepherd. Because we're going to go after the broken, the sick, those that need bandages. The other thing that I've, I've noticed out of this too, is says this, that when he finds it, guess what? The sheep's not looking for you. The person sick and hurting isn't looking for salvation. They're lost. You go get them. I thought that was interesting. The other thing I thought was interesting is that he lays it on his shoulders. Why? Probably because the sheep's so stinking tired. Can't walk anymore. It needs help coming back. People that are in a broken place need our strength because they probably don't have the strength to walk. And lastly, when they come here, the first thing they are met with is rejoicing. We're so happy you're here. This is God's heart for us. So this is what I wanted to say today. One, oh man, we all need a good shepherd. We need the one that would lead us beside still waters. And anytime my heart gets anxious or frustrated or struggling, I recognize again, hey, good shepherd, I need your leadership in my life today. And he's going to say, come over here, there's some good grass, lay down a little bit, let me, let me take care of you. He's a good shepherd, will you let him shepherd you? By the way, he's supposed to lead you, not the other way around. Second of all, He's looking for under-shepherds, not hirelings. This whole work of ministry is a place of us taking on the heart of the good shepherd, that we would be like those that would sit in the gate and say, over my dead body, just like our Savior did for us, over my dead body, you're not getting to them, but you got to get through me. 
And lastly, there are those that are lost, which is a whole whack of people. And they aren't going to come looking for you. You got to go look for them. Why? They don't even know to come. So, hey, Nick, could you just kind of pop up? I'm going to read, uh, got a Bible, go to Psalms 23. We're going to read that one more time. And this is where we're going to end today. And, and something for you to posture, just kind of kind of ponder. This would be a really good chapter if you just want to need to have a conversation with God this week. I just want to encourage you, read Psalms 123 every day for this week. And start with this thought. Is he my shepherd? Is he the one leading my life? Let's just read this all together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Let me say this. Every one of our desires and needs is met in him. It's just not always in the timing that we want, but it's all met in him. Let's read this. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Sometimes he's got to make you rest. Still waters. Keep going. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort you. You can go through hell, and if he's with you, you'll have peace in your heart. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. If you're doing anything right, eventually in your life, you will have enemies. But what happens? He prepares a table for you. You anoint my head with oil. That oil, it's for healing. My cup, it what? Next part. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can we just put our hands out before us? Just posture of just, hey, shepherd, we're here. <laughs> Maybe Jesus is not your shepherd today. Just going to pose this question to each one of our hearts. Is he your shepherd? Have you given him the space of letting him lead you? He wants to lead you and he's got good plans for you. It's by still waters. It's a place where your needs are met. It's a place where your heart is refreshed. It's a place where you're healed. It's a place of provision. It's a place where even in the midst of your enemies, you have blessing. It's a place where goodness and mercy are going to run after you all the days of your life and you're going to know the presence of God. If you want him to be your shepherd, can you just lift your hand this morning? We'll just, let's just do that. Maybe we've done this a thousand times, but let's just do that. Yeah, Jesus, sign me up. I, I want you to be my shepherd. <laughs> You're a way better leader than me. <laughs> You're way better at, at guiding and directing my life. And so I just want to give up, God. I, let's just say that. I give up. I let you lead me today. I, I say, be my shepherd. Be the overseer of my heart. Be the one to lead me.
We're going to trust your word that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear any evil because you're going to comfort me. Your rod and your staff. God, you give us your protection. So God, we pray over everyone in this room that's walking through stuff when they're harassed. They're harassed in their heart. They're harassed in their mind. They're harassed, God. And we just say, in the name of Jesus, we come against everything that would attack your people today. We cut it off in the name of Jesus. We pray freedom and deliverance, God, from addiction, from pornography, God, from bulimia, from fear and anxiety, from the approval, seeking approval of people, from greed, all these things, God, that try to take our heart. We just cut it off in the name of Jesus. Now, if you just put a hand on our heart, I just want you to picture the fact that there is a world around us broken. There's a world around us that's lost and searching. And Jesus is going for them whether you go or not. He's going to reach them whether you go or not. But just picture him looking at you right now. And he's really just saying to you and me, will you come with me? Will you join me in seeking out the lost one? Will you be an extension of my staff? Will you draw them with loving kindness? Will you rejoice? Will you lend your strength to theirs? If that's your heart, can you just put your hands out in front of you? By the way, we're all really bad at this. We need his help. We don't do any saving. He's the one that does saving. God, we just make a commitment as a community this morning to being people that love well. I ask, God, that you would give us eyes to see people. God, when they're slipping and when they're falling, God, when they need a, a loving arm around them, God, we want to be not too busy to notice, God. God, forgive us for being so filled up with ourselves that we don't notice others. We just pray right now, God, that your heart for others would be in us. And God, we want to be those that go out into the hills and into the middle of nowhere and look for that lost sheep, looking for that one who's not here. God, we, we lift up to you every, every empty space, every empty seat in this room. God, there's a person that's supposed to be sitting there, not because you want Blessed City to be huge, but because they are meant to be in family. They're meant to be home. So God, we pray for brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and friends and coworkers, God, who are lost and searching and bound by stuff. And we say, God, would you set them free? And you said in your word, God, ask for workers that would go. So God, I'm asking for workers from this room. I'm praying that today, God, you would put your spirit on us, God, that we would look for those that are lost. We wouldn't wait for a preacher to do it, but we would say, yeah, I'm the one that's going to go. We just say, great shepherd, shepherd through us. And all God's people said.